All right, who wants to talk about the environment? More importantly, let's talk about the environment and why your stance on the environment and environmental issues basically depends on your party affiliation. What in the heck does politics have to do with the environment and conservation? We've talked about this before on Not in the Mood, but I want to go deeper this week. And I've got some research that I want to talk about, and then we've got an expert that we're going to talk to about why conservatives don't seem to take the issue of climate change seriously. And when we say climate change, you can call it global warming, you can call it global cooling, you can call it whatever you want. But the bottom line is the science and the data suggests that the earth average temperature is getting warmer year by year. And I think it's pretty obvious to see the effects just here in the U.S., just the North American continent. We've got hurricane seasons that are off the charts every other year. Here we are in 2020, and we're already into the Greek alphabet because we've already used all of the regular names that were set aside for the 2020 Atlantic hurricane season. We're now talking about Hurricane Epsilon. You've got wildfires raging in the West like we've never seen before. And if you've seen any of these footage of these firestorms, it's just, it's, it's amazing how you can have an environment that is so dry and you've got these, these you know, vast forest lands that are just ticking time bonks, just basically boxes of kindling, just waiting for somebody to drop a cigarette button there. And the next thing you know, you've got dozens missing, hundreds of structures destroyed, people homeless. And yet when you talk about reducing carbon emissions, most people who identify themselves as Republicans don't want to hear it. But if you look at the research of Americans and you separate party affiliation, like the Pew Research Institute did in 2019, and they found that 68% of Americans believe the federal government should be doing more to protect waters of lakes, rivers, and streams. 67% that we should be doing more to protect air quality, to reduce the effects of global climate change. But then when you break it down by party affiliation, 90% of Democrats feel the government, the federal government, should do more to protect the environment, whereas 39% of Republicans feel the same way. And when you break it down to conservatives versus moderates or liberals, the split's even wider. 24% of conservatives, according to the Pew Research Center, believe the government should do more to address climate change. 65% of those who consider themselves moderate or liberal feel that way. That's a pretty dramatic shift. And for me personally, you know, 99.9% of Americans are not smart enough to understand climate change or the data. So in a situation where you don't understand what you're looking at, I don't understand why people on this side of the spectrum divert to, we're not going to do anything, it's all a sham, I don't understand it, so therefore I don't believe it. Whereas on the other side of the political spectrum, you've got folks that say, I just believe it because everybody tells me to believe it. But regardless of how you feel about the data or if you understand the data, if you even can find the data, all you have to do is watch the news. I mean, look at the natural disasters that we're dealing with on a, on a you know, almost a daily basis here in the U.S. Same thing in Australia. The wildfires in Australia a couple of years ago were devastating. Yet when you talk to people about climate change 
and protecting water and reducing carbon emissions, folks who identify as conservatives don't want to have anything to do with it. And for the longest time, there was a, there was a, a, a conventional thought process that, hey, listen, you know, going green is great. It sounds like a great idea, but it's not cost effective. And if it's not cost effective, businesses are not going to do that. And I think that's what you saw for a long time. But as our guest, Steve Malink, is going to identify for us, the technology for going green has become so much more affordable, even within the last 10 years. And he's going to talk about that. So we're joined by Steve Malink. He's the CEO and the founder of Malink Corporation. He's also the author of a new book, Fusion Capitalism, A Clean Energy Vision for Conservatives. Now, before we get into the discussion about conservatives and climate change, I wanted to find out what the heck the Malink Corporation is. So we're a company based in Cincinnati, Ohio. We're a clean energy company. I started the company in 1987, so we're approaching 35 years old. Uh, We got our start in uh, heating, ventilation, air conditioning services, and then got into energy saving controls. And then uh, we were growing. We uh, designed and built a super green building, and that kind of put us on a new path you know, we wanted to walk the talk, uh, and lo and behold, people from all over wanted to come and learn about our, our green building, and um, we decided, you know, we were on the right path, um, and so um, we got into the solar PV industry and the geothermal heating cooling industry, and we're, you know, we're all about green buildings and helping the world reduce its carbon footprint. And for the longest time, the biggest roadblock to going green, quote unquote, was the cost. Has there been any significant change in the last few years with the technology with respect to renewable and uh, energy and that sort of thing? Daryl, there has been a tremendous reduction in costs in both the solar PV and wind power industries, as well as we see it in battery storage, electric cars, um, just in solar power alone, the costs have come down about 80% in the last 10 years. So if people are still thinking that costs are the same as they were 10 years ago, that's absolutely not the case. And in fact, that's why more and more utilities are installing solar and wind farms rather than coal-fired plants and gas-fired plants. Now, on the other side of that, uh, there's been a number of stories uh, locally here in Central Florida and across the country of different municipalities and counties uh, more or less just kind of abandoning their recycling programs because of the cost. Well, I can't speak to the, um, you know, the cost effectiveness of recycling. You know, our our focus is on clean energy. Um, I, I understand the science of climate change. It, it is real. It's being caused by man. And uh, my focus is on getting us weaned from our dependency on fossil fuels and get us transitioned to a clean energy economy as quickly as possible. And, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, and that is the politicization of environmental issues. Why, in your opinion, do we see political or, or, or environmental issues being politicized as much as they are? You know, it's a shame because I'm a conservative and uh, I never grew up with the ethic that we want to 
uh, burn and pollute and waste and do damage to our environment. It was just the opposite. I grew up with an ethic of protecting the environment. And many of the Republican administrations of the past were of the same mindset. It's only been in the last 20 years since the famous um, Bush-Gore um, contest, uh, which Florida obviously played a, a key role. Um, and then the fact that after Gore lost, he went on to um, commit himself to uh, educating the public on the science of climate change. You know, unfortunately, the messenger was maybe not the ideal messenger, but the message itself that climate change is real um, is something that unfortunately got lost because of who the messenger was. And then it got worse in 2008 when um, President Obama was elected and he committed to a clean energy future. And it was just the reflexive muscle of the opposing party to do the, you know, to say it, you know, that wasn't the good way forward kind of a thing. So it's purely politics. It also has a lot to do with the fact that the fossil fuel industry and the utility industry, you know, they have lobbied very hard in Washington, D.C., in the state capitals across the country to disavow the signs of climate change and to disavow the um, the efficacy of clean energy technologies, you know, saying that it costs too much or it doesn't work and those kind of things. So, you know, our, our growing industry has been up uh, against a lot of headwinds. But, you know, in the last five years, it has been become very clear that the way of the future is um, clean energy. And, you know, we, we see that, again, in the fact that the utilities themselves are choosing to install solar and wind power over traditional fossil fuels. And, you know, you have companies like Tesla that are more valuable than GM and Ford combined. You know, the writing's on the wall. Uh, the oil industries are next because they're not going to have a marketplace in which to sell their, their gasoline. And so, um, you know, in the next five, 10 years, it's going to be a, a transformation of our economy. And it'll be a great thing because it will not only help protect our environment, but it's going to create hundreds of thousands of jobs in these new industries to replace the, the other industries. And it's going to improve our health um, in, in that we're not burning and polluting. Uh, and it's going to improve our national security because, you know, the price of oil won't be propped up by uh, American consumption and dependency. And so, you know, terrorism is largely being financed through, you know, the sale of oil. And you're the author of a new book, Fusion Capitalism, A Clean Energy Vision for Conservatives. How do you convince conservatives that climate change and environmental issues are something that conservatives should essentially change their position on? And how do you do that? Yeah, well, the, number one, my reminder is that uh, it is not the ethic of conservatives that we not conserve. You know, the root word of, of, of who we are is to conserve. And again, it's just been a political potato, hot potato in the last 20 years. But, um, you know, another thing is, gosh, I, 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 I am very troubled by the emergence of this anti-science um, mentality that, you know, many conservatives have taken. And again, I'm a conservative. And science is the way to make our world and society better. It's, it's not her enemy. And, 
you know, if I can, I would just like to explain that, you know, climate change is physics. Um, We're putting CO2 up into the atmosphere when we burn all these fossil fuels, and we've been burning hundreds of billions of tons um, and emitting all the CO2 into the atmosphere. And that's causing this invisible blanket around the Earth. And I'm, I'm going to relate it to something that all Floridians can relate to, and that is a car sitting out in the hot sun. So the sunlight can penetrate the glass in your car easily enough, right? But then that that light becomes, it, it turns into heat, and it becomes trapped by the glass that allowed the sunlight to come into. Well, that's, that's exactly what's happening. Um, and so this isn't, you know, this isn't, um, I don't know what you might call it, um, but it's science, it's physics, and the data and the actual evidence is bearing it out more and more every day, every year. And, you know, we've seen it this year, especially with all the droughts and wildfires on the West Coast and the record storms and hurricanes on the East Coast. This is only going to get worse and worse until we stop kicking the can down the road and confront this global challenge. And there's a there's a school of thought among conservatives who kind of push back against the climate change argument that it's cyclical and that we've seen the global uh, weather patterns do this over thousand year periods. Uh, what do you say to that argument? Yes, the climate scientists have proven without a doubt that this is not a, a, a warming cycle, that the CO2 levels are the highest they've ever been in human history. Uh, they're they're um, almost double what they have ever been um, in the past, over the, just in the last 50 years, and it's and it's it's getting higher and higher. So the correlation is that you know, as the CO2 levels rise so dramatically because we're burning more and more gasoline for all the billions of cars out there, and we have more and more power plants burning coal and oil and natural gas. I mean, that, 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 that's the essence of the problem. Um, I, I, I can't make it any um, more simple than that. So my question to you is, is for folks who are listening to our conversation and they say to themselves, I know somebody who is, is, you know, dismisses the issue of climate change and doesn't take it seriously. How do you facilitate that conversation in a way where the other side's going to actually listen to you? Yes. Okay. Great question. And my answer is one of empowerment. The Um, You know, another word for problem is opportunity. And rather than looking at climate change as just this this problem that might be seen as too large for me as an individual to worry about, you know, this is something that government has to take care of for us. My message is one of empowerment that each and every one of us as consumers can become better informed and smarter about how we purchase our energy. For example, most of us just blindly buy the the brown power that our utilities generate and send to us over the transmission lines. But most of these utilities also have an option. You can check the box for a green power option. And that forces the utility to, instead of burning fossil fuels to power your home, they have to go out to the market and buy power from a wind farm or solar farm. And so we as consumers can be savvier and become part of the solution. Imagine if millions of us, you know, 
tens of millions of us as consumers checked the box and said, we want to create a, a bigger market for clean energy. Now, you might say, well, what is the cost of doing that? Well, on average, for the average homeowner, that cost amounts to about the cost of a Starbucks coffee per month. And, okay, maybe some people can't afford that, but probably 80% of us can afford a cost of a Starbucks coffee per month in order to ensure that our planet remains safe, healthy, uh, and and prosperous for our children and future generations. Another example would be, gosh, the next time you're in the market for a car, go electric. Don't buy that gasoline-powered car. And in fact, if you once you get in an electric car and drive it, you will not be able to go back to, you know, the old way. Electric cars are quieter. They're smoother. They have far less maintenance. Um, and again, they're the way of the future. So, again, it's, a, it's about empowerment, turning the word problem into opportunity and helping people see that this is a magnificent opportunity for the United States of America to lead the clean energy revolution of the 21st century. So Steve Malink calls it a clean energy revolution. And I can tell you from someone who talks to utility companies all across the country, they are going green. They are building solar farms and wind farms at breakneck speed. So whether you embrace renewable energy or not, it's coming. Look at electric vehicles. What's in the headlines this week? An all-new, fully electric Hummer. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that massive Hummer without having to fill it up with gas? What does this say about the future of the internal combustion engine? He makes a really good point. If you want to embrace this technology, embrace it. It's there. Buy a Tesla. Buy a Hummer EV. Buy an electric vehicle. If you don't have the resources to do that, the very least you can do, and this is something we talk about almost week in, week out, have that conversation with someone that you know doesn't accept climate change. And I'm not saying go pick a fight with them, but challenge them. Make them explain to you why they don't buy into it. And if they can't explain it, then ask them, why won't you just embrace it? Why won't you just accept it? It's here whether you like it or not. So like many of the other issues we talk about here on Not In The Mood, hopefully you guys will go out there in your personal lives and you will talk to folks about this stuff and you'll talk to conservatives about it and you'll ask them, why don't you believe it? Hopefully, if enough of us do that, we can create a broader conversation. And the next thing you know, when you're looking at research on Americans' opinions on climate change, your political party won't matter when it comes to the environment. Wouldn't that be nice? So, you have your assignment for this week. Go out there. Have that conversation with somebody. We'll see you next week. That's